people that can have the truth, if you're not growing, then you're receding. And, and so you're going to pick up. I, I've seen, that, uh, believe it or not, I just, uh, a fundamental pastor and, and family, somehow I've, they've got to looking at the idea. Of, how many know what Lent is? Not, not the stuff you feel in your pocket after you wash your clothes a few times. You know, it's Lent is a, is a basically a Catholic Lutheran tradition. It's an advent to, to the resurrection or, or a Sunday. And so they have these special Sundays leading up to that. And, and, and to see somebody that knows the truth falling back into this some kind of formalism, it really boggles my mind. How can somebody that has this truth go backwards? Why would you want to even have anything to do with that? But listen, I understand it. Either you're what? Growing? Or you're what? You're backsliding. You're going away from the truth. Look at Galatians chapter number 1. I hope I don't spend the whole morning on this, but I want to take some time, get this off my heart. Here's the Apostle Paul as he introduces himself. He says, um, uh, we'll read down through and follow along. Verse number 1 of chapter number 1. Paul, an apostle... Not of men, neither by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. He gets right off to the bat. He raised him from the dead. Verse 2, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Not some of them, did he? For our sins. Listen. When Christ sacrificed for you, he sacrificed for every one of your sins. From the day you were born until the day you die, all your sins were future. And he paid for them all. That's a glorious truth, folks. Gave himself for his sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And that's the way we think of it. Wow, God did this. God accomplishes his glory forever, not just in the generation of the Apostle Paul and in the churches of Galatia, but in our generation. Praise God. <coughs> Look in verse number 6. Notice what he says. He says what? He says, I marvel. What is he marveling at? You are so soon what? Removed. And I underline these three words in my Bible. They removed what? From him. In other words, instead of growing in grace, they were growing in their ability to be fooled and deceived. They're removed from him, called you into the grace of Christ unto what? Some other gospel. Really? Is there another gospel? Well, let's look what Paul says. Which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which has been preached, <coughs> which we have preached, let him be what? Boy, that, is that strong language? Somebody comes around and they want to change what the Bible says about 
the grace of God and what he, uh, what he accomplished on the cross, paying the penalty for how many of your sins? All of them. Past, right? Present, right? And future. He paid it all. <coughs> and somebody comes along with another gospel that says, doesn't uh, uh, point to the cross and doesn't point to what Jesus done. Let him be what? Is there another gospel out there? They're all over the place. Is the Catholic Church, does it teach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? No. It is what kind of a gospel? It's a false gospel. It's a false, it isn't another gospel. It's not a, it's not a matter of it as they might teach that, hey, well, you know, you, you need to <clears throat> put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, do the best you can to keep the Ten Commandments and, and, uh, and uh, the seven sacraments. And, uh, and then, we're not sure, we, but if you keep faithful to the Catholic Church, it, it'll all work out in the end. That's another gospel, my friend. That's a false gospel. You say, Pastor, why are you? Well, there's nobody in here today that's being prompted and, and, and influenced by the Catholic Church. Listen, if you're not growing in grace... You're going to be removed from the gospel. It's only a matter of time. You say, how does it happen? Well, I, I see it a lot of times. People, uh, this happens. They, they somehow don't grow in grace. And, and so all of a sudden they begin to look around. They, say, they, they, they look at themselves. They look at the church. They look, and they say, well, you know, there's something wrong with the church. There isn't anything wrong with what the truth is. And what the, uh, the pillar and the ground of truth is, is that you quit growing. And when you quit growing and you quit that, that inner understanding and excitement about what God has done for you, then you're going to start receding from the truth. And you're going to be removed from it. Not God isn't removing it. You're doing it to yourself. Holy Spirit hasn't changed his mind about dwelling with you. He said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you when you get saved. But that's what I said. It should be that I, I, I go back, and I, I'll be honest with you, I go back and I think of where I was at and what I understood. And I remember the excitement. I remember being so excited that I had the truth. I, I mean, I, I can remember going in and talking to my pastor and saying, listen, pastor, we're doing, and this was when I was in the Lutheran church. I said, listen, pastor, there's something wrong. Uh, these kids that are, uh, we're bringing out on Palm Sunday and, and we're giving them through the confirmation classes and they're taking their first communion. Thank you very much. They're taking their first communion. I said, Pastor Goins, they're not saved. They're not saved. I, and you say, what kind, where did you get off? I, I'm, I'm new in the Lord, but I confront my pastor and tell them they're not saved. And it says, well, why did you do that? You're just proud. You just think you know. No, I was concerned. Those young people were going to hell. You say, who put that in there? Who put that in your heart? Christ. You knew what God had done for you. And listen, if we lose the passion that comes when you get saved, 
And all of a sudden, you start just falling into some kind of routine, and 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 you bought, you're beginning to buy into this, as it says here. Though we are an angel from heaven, and he repeats it again uh, uh, to to the individuals, let him be accursed. And he says in verse nine, as we said before, so I say now again: if any man preach any other gospel to you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. I don't know. I read that and I say, wow, that can't get any stronger. And then he says it twice. You and I, if we're not listening and abiding in Christ, then we're listening to some other gospel. If we're not listening to the Lord Jesus Christ guide and direct and influence our life, then there's some other information that we're getting that's taking. And listen, we don't, back in this age, they didn't have internet. And they didn't have radio. And they didn't have, I mean, if anything was influenced, it was, it was the neighbors talking next door and, and, uh, and friends that they had at work and, and maybe uh, 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 cousins or whatever, whoever their relationship was that was fogging it up for them. But listen, you and I are battered every day if you have a radio and a TV and an internet. It's taking you, it's not getting you closer to Jesus. That's why, I mean, Brother Oscar's, uh, it, I know it's, it's hard and it's, I'm so glad he's consumed with this idea. If we'd memorize the word, meditate on it, listen, we'd grow in this grace. We have, I, I sense it coming out of his pores, his passion for the people that are caught up into this idea of Jehovah Witnesses. I mean, we, we've been doing these verses on is. Jesus is God. I know why he's doing that. He's got loved ones in Texas that are, are, are going to go to hell unless somebody reaches them with the gospel. You and I ought to be as passionate for those people around us. Let's look at some more. <clears throat> the burden and passion of the Paul in chapter number 3 of Galatians. He first of all to kind of get you understanding where your passion should be. Verse number sixteen of the previous chapter, chapter two. Read it with me. It says, "Knowing that a man, okay, let's they knew this. Galatians, the church of the Galatians knew this." He says. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus that we might be justified by faith of Christ. And notice what it says, not by the works of the law. You say, Pastor, I know that. You know, you say, here's why these people knew this too. These churches knew this too. They weren't justified by the flesh, but something had bewitched them. Something had got a hold of them. Something had began to, you know, and what happens is, uh, like I says, it morphs into formalism. Formalism becomes, well, I'm justified in your mind. You know, well, I know what the Bible says, I'm justified by, by the faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work. But when you don't walk with God and you don't grow in grace, then all of a sudden you begin to think I'm justified because I go to church. 
I'm justified because I, I, I try to be a, a good person. Now we don't say that's our salvation, but listen, it always morphs back to that. There, there are historically Bible-believing churches, and, and they're among us. How many think the Methodists were always what they are today? No. They were considered by one, at one time to be as fundamental in many ways. They, they had some doctrine that was a little goofy, but they, for the most part, they were evangelistic. They had Presbyterians. There's still a sect of them. I think the Cumberland Presbyterians that are, are still uh, a serious and not as serious as they used to be, but serious about the gospel. But they, you took a look at the net normal Presbyterian. There is, there is uh, formal in their religious activity. They got some doctrine right, but they're dead spiritually. What's the difference? What if you got your doctrine right, but you're dead spiritually? What does that mean? God's pleased with you? God's pleased with the church? Something ought to happen when we, when we walk with God. So he says here, For by the works of the law, verse number 16 of chapter 2, what's it say? For by the works of the law shall what? What's it say? No flesh will be justified. It's not what you do here in this church that makes you happy. It's when you live by faith that God is pleased with you. When you do His will, God is pleased with you. Same thing with me. It isn't, it isn't because what I know, it's when I live by faith. And when I don't live by faith, I'm not, not only am I not living by faith, and I'm not pleasing God, I've dropped back into some kind of formalistic religion. Verse number 17, But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. Basically what he's saying there is that we started making excuses about our Christian life. It's not that big a deal. Formalism also reaches back into the idea of unholy living. When Jesus says, be ye holy for I am holy, listen, the only one, only one way to be holy, and that's to live by faith. Only one way to see God be pleased with you. When you listen and follow. Verse 18, for if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Verse 19, for I... Though the law, I am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified. Notice what it says. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. Read it with me. But Christ liveth in me. Can you say that, Christian? Can you say that the activities of this week are the results of Christ? Living in me. Can we sing a song like that? I mean, remember, Christ liveth in me, right? Christ liveth in me. Oh, what a salvation this 
that Christ liveth. That's salvation. See, I, I don't want to be your pastor if, 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 if that's what you want. I'm going to be your pastor that's going to exhort and reprove and rebuke. We're not going to be formal. We're going to be a church that lives by faith. We're not going to be a church that just goes through the motions. You want to be a church that just goes through the motions? Listen, that kind of church that kids go to the devil. That kind of church that you say, well, I don't know what happened to my kids. Uh, they reached 18, 19 years old, and then they had no heart for God, and they just went off and did all the things that they shouldn't have done. Why? Because there was nothing real to begin with. Where'd they learn that? Where'd they learn that? They didn't learn it. In the, they learned that from watching you. No God. He ain't real. He doesn't. We don't pray. We don't read our Bible. We don't trust God for our uh, financial needs and for the needs of other people in the church. We don't do that. He isn't real. They don't say it out loud. The fool is said in his what? He doesn't say it out loud. He says it in his heart. There's no God. It's just the way he lives his life. Same way the lost people. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. What? Nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That means the time, the, the energy, the thoughts, everything is Christ living in me. That, that, ought to be the, that ought to be your definition of what you've lived for this week. If you don't see <clears throat> the difference. Verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. That means if we're just doing things to, to prove our Christianity, then Christ died in vain. But when we're living by faith, or walking in, in his steps, then, then, then God's will is being accomplished. He, doesn't, he isn't kind to these churches. Remember, this is not just one church. This is several churches. What's he call them in the next verse? These are the verses I want you to hear. He says what? Oh, what? Oh, you know, when you hear that, when you, you don't often hear that word in the scriptures, but when it's there, it's an expression of burden. He's concerned. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who hath what? Bewitched you. Now, bewitched is what? Who, who, who? What demonic influence was in your life that bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth? Oh, this only what I learn of you, receive the Spirit of by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Are you pleased? Is God pleased with you because of what you've done? Or is God pleased of you for what 
Christ is doing through you. That's, that's the two different scenarios. I, uh, <clears throat> I want you to be, if you're here this morning, and I didn't spend any time talking, there may be some here this morning not saved. And when I say you're not saved, that means that you're, you think that somehow <clears throat> God is just going to overlook all your sin. And somehow it, what he's done on the cross is going to cover you. See, when it says the just shall live by faith, it begins when you see yourself as a sinner on, their way, on your way to hell. That's when it begins. It doesn't begin when you somehow think that, that, that God's uh, 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 sovereignty over all the world and he died for all the world and somehow I fit into that category when you've never came personally to him with your sin. He's a personal savior. That means he just doesn't sovereignly cast this blanket upon all the world and somehow all the world's going to go to heaven. He, he provided salvation. Do you know that the Bible teaches that most people will not go to heaven? How many know that? Jesus says, enter ye in at the straight gate. He says, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many there be that go in thereat. Most people go in the wide, broad gate that leads to destruction. Anybody know what the straight gate is? That narrow gate? Jesus is the what? He's the way. That means if you're going to get to heaven from where you've got to go to him. You've got to cry out to him. And said, God have mercy. And all the good works in the world. All the church attendance in the world. All the baptisms in the world. If Brother Juan was here this Is Brother Juan here this morning? Brother Juan was here this morning. He said he was baptized every week. When he went to First Baptist. Every week he'd get baptized. All those baptisms equaled zero. And he understood that. It's not the baptism. It's not the coming to church. It's not giving the money in the offering plate. It's you coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in a personal way. And saying, Lord, I know I deserve hell. I deserve hell because I'm a sinner. I've done that which is wrong. I've broken not just some of the commandments. I've broken all of them. If you're here this morning and you've not surrendered to Christ Jesus in a personal way, you're on your way to hell. Let me say it again. You're accursed. Being in this church doesn't make you a Christian. Believing that Jesus is God doesn't make you a Christian. By the way, Oscar, right? You can believe, you can be, you can, you can not believe what the Jehovah Witnesses and believe that Jesus is God. You will not. That isn't enough to save you. It's when you recognize your sin is sending you to hell, and you need to put your faith in what Jesus has done for you. You're not trusting anything else. <clears throat> and if you 
follow with me. I'll give you a few more verses with that. Verse number 10 of chapter number 3 says, For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Remember what Paul's saying here. He says, if you think that doing good things are, uh, is your ticket to heaven, he says you're under what? Curse. You're under curse. If somehow you think being a good person, going to church, giving an offering, uh, uh, doing the best you can, believing Jesus is God, is going to get you to, is part of your works. He says, it says, what's it say? And if you don't continue, that means in order to be saved, you know how good you'd have you know how good you'd have to be to get to heaven on your works? You'd have to be as good as the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody going to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm as good as Jesus? In other words, you'd have to be perfect without sin. And no one's ever met, met, met that standard. That's why Jesus paid for everyone's sin. Notice what he says here. So everyone that are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. You realize the ten, you might know why the ten commandments were given. You might know why. To, to show you your sin, not to show you how good you are. It, the, 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 the law was written to show you how you fail, not how you made it. Some people say, well, I've never, I've never killed anybody. You ever been angry at somebody without a cause or just cause? The Bible says that's just like murder. You ever looked at somebody in a lustful way even though you never touched them? You committed adultery in your heart. How many ever wanted something that wasn't yours? Coveted. You've broken every law. I've even had some people say, well, I've never cursed. I said, you still broke the commandment. Say, I never, I don't take God's name. I may say a four-letter word, but I don't take God's name in vain. I says, you know, when you live in a way that's not according to the will of God, you are taking God's name in vain. You're made by him. You're taking his name in vain. You say, Pastor, why? Why is this so important? I, I for, the, for the Christian, if you're sitting here, I hope if you're not stirred up about Christ, you're falling back. If, you're, if your dime in the word of God and your time in prayer doesn't stir you up about the Lord Jesus Christ, you're falling back. And that's, that's what... That's what that's what Paul is warning them. You're falling back. Let's read a couple more verses. Verse 24, just to reemphasize, it says, For where the law, wherefore the law was our what? What's the purpose of the law? A schoolmaster. Verse 24. Like a teacher. An instructor. To bring us to who? Christ. That we might be justified by faith. 
But after faith has come, we're no longer under the schoolmaster. It means the law isn't there. To, we've, it's proved our unworthiness. Then it becomes that we live by faith. I'll give you a couple more verses and I'm going to be done. Look at Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2. Look in verse number 4. Read with me on these, okay? Ask Ask God as you read these verses to stir up your heart about what God has done for you. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were, what? Dead in sins hath he made, what? Quickened or made us alive, us together with Christ. For what? For by grace are what? You're saved. Not from that. Look at the next verse. And hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're living by faith. You're obeying God. You're doing his will. You're sitting in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Verse number 8. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's what? It's what? It's a gift. You don't earn it. You don't deserve it. It isn't a reward for something you've done. It's a gift. Salvation is a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. And it says, if we become anything after we're saved. The Bible says, for we are his what? His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Again, it's a life of faith. Turn to Hebrews once. Hebrews chapter number 9. Verse number 11. But Christ, chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse number 11, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come and by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once. How many times did he enter in? Once. <clears throat> Into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know what you know this you know what they call the mass? You know what they do every Sunday? Anybody know what they do every Sunday? They re-crucify Christ. 
They literally believe that they transform the bread and the wine back into what? The body and blood of the Lord Jesus. I don't know about you, but that ought to make the Christians sick. That ought to make us sick in our hearts. To re-crucify Christ every week because, well, I committed new sins, so I have to take the wafer and the, and the, and the wine in order to re-crucify him. He entered how many times into the holy? Once. Didn't he do a good work for you? How many think Jesus did a good work for you? Isn't that something excited about him? He didn't one time he entered in, and, he, and, he, and I put my faith in that, and he, and, he, and he saved me forever. I know. Neither by the blood of goats, but by his own blood, verse 12, he entered in once to the holy place, having obtained eternal salvation. Or if blood and the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifers sprinkling of the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from what? Dead works. What are works that we do to try to sanctify ourselves and justify ourselves? What's the Bible call them? Dead works. Worthless works. Lies of Satan. And notice what it says. Our conscience from dead works to do what? To serve the living God. All right. We go on and on. Let me take give you one more. I'll give you one more verse here. James chapter number one. James chapter number one. Again, please, I don't know, somehow my kids have grown cold with the word of God. They don't do their devotions. There's no passion for the truth. Parents, I blame you. I blame you. Why don't you read what James says here? Verse 16. Let's go back to verse number 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. Something that the Galatian churches should have done. For when he is tried, he receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. 
Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempt any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own what? Lust and enticed. What, what protects the believer from that happening? What, what keeps us from going cold? What, what keeps our flesh in check? What, what, what makes the Holy Spirit thrive and powers the believer? Verse 15, then when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and when sin is finished, it bringeth forth what? Who's, he t- who's James talking to here? Lost? Talking to the saved. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, and from the down cometh down from the Father lights, in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will he begat us with the word of truth. Right? That's how you got saved. The incorruptible seed was planted, and the Spirit of God used that incorruptible seed and help you to see. I hope there's somebody here today. The incorruptible seed got planted in your heart, and the Spirit of God says, yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I'm deserving hell, and I, I want God to save me. Verse 18, of his own will he begat us with the word of truth that we should be kind of a first fruits of his creature. Wherefore, if that's true, the conclusion, wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness, what? The engrafted word, which is able to do what? Which is able to do what? Save your soul. The word of God produces the resurrected life. The word of God uh, takes away the temptation. The word of God produces the faith and the, and the knowledge of the will of God. And he says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What kind of a, word, what kind of a person are we to be? Kind? A doer. I just... Not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth away and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. You pick up the word of God, you become a what? You better be a doer. You know, if you're not a doer of the word... Then you're not you're, you're an undoer. <laughs> if you're not being obedient, you're being disobedient. Be ye doers and not hearers only. For any if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened unto a man. I said this. Let me verse number. But whosoever looketh into the verse twenty five, the perfect law of liberty, and do what? And continue it therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be what? Blessed in his deeds. He goes on. The evidence of that is how you talk to one another. 
your tongue. So I'm done, folks. I didn't even get to my message. Maybe this is the message God has for us. You know, let me just say this as your pastor. I'm afraid for some of you. I don't know how else to say it. Did God, one thing about the, I've said how I, I just love passion. When someone's passionate about the things of God. Some people, you know what they wait on? They wait for somebody else to get passionate. That, that's what they, they, they want some charismatic leader that's going to stir them up and somehow they're going to, they're going to ride the coattails of his passion. That is not Christianity. Christianity is getting something from the Lord and getting excited about what God has done for you and continuing to do for you. You know, when you're excited about things of the Lord, you know what happens? Your spouse knows that you're excited about Christ. Did you know that? When you, when you got something from Jesus Christ, your children see it, feel it. They can warm their hands off of your, your passion for what you have for Jesus. And when you come to church, you're part of that ignition that this church needs. To be in love with Christ and, and encourage others to be in love with him. And your children, they're enthusiastic about the word of God. They're enthusiastic about the things of God. Let me warn you. If you're growing cold, and you know it, you don't need your pastor up here to tell you you're growing cold. You, you knew it long before I did. If there was a time in your life when you had a greater love or a greater appreciation and a greater desire for the word of God than you have today, say it with me. You're backslidden. And the devil knows it. And your Christianity is morphing into some kind of uh, formalism. That somehow you just justify because you come to church. Or because you put some offering in the plate. If you're that way this morning, what you need to do is cry out to God. Oh God, don't let... Look, bring back, bring back that day when I got saved. Bring back that excitement, that aurora. Bring back, God, forgive me for what I've been and what I've allowed myself to grow, grow into. Bring it back, God. Stir me up. You know, there's t don't think that the children, how many of you know the problem with Israel was what? Remember Israel? They, they would do right, and then they'd have to have a judge that'd bring them back, right? And God would chasten them, and boy, put it hard on them, and he'd bring them back. You think people have changed any? No. And God is, I mean, Brother Alexander comes, and I pray, I pray to God. He's got God's mind, God's heart, and he knows what God has said about this church, and, he, and God gives him some messages that stir us all up about the things of God. There's a revival hymn. <clears throat> I, maybe I can get it out for tonight. 
And it's, 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 it's all about being revived. I, 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 we start off abiding in Christ, but abiding means growing. Everybody got that? Abiding means growing in Christ. Let's stand as we close. If you don't want, as Paul said to those churches, oh foolish, who, who bewitched you? If 